All right, I want to share this before I start real quick, um, is, is if you want to buy one of these poinsettias, we do this every year. So we buy them up front, or I, actually I think Claire has bought these every year. She buys them, and then we just we reimburse her at cost on these. So if you want to buy one of these, uh, then, then there's a slip out. There's some slips out here and some slips out, out there. There are 29 poinsettias. There are 29 poinsettias, and uh, you can put your name on here. They're $14 this year. Inflation's got them. They're a little more than normal than what they've been being, but that's still, that's still an incredible price for these plants. That's a, that's a steal. So $14, fill that out, and, and, and you can get it to me, get it to Debbie in the office or whatever. We'll, we'll get that. And then if you want to do it in memory of someone or in honor of someone, you can do that. And we'll, we'll write that up. We'll print that out. We'll, we'll put those out on Sunday morning. Uh, uh, Christmas morning, Christmas Eve morning when we're here. But we'll have those out. And, and um, But if you want to buy those, and then on the 24th after our service that morning, you can pick up your poinsettia and take it home, okay? So that's, we do that every year. Most of you know that. Some of the newer folks wouldn't know that's what we're doing. So if you'd like to have one of these beautiful poinsettias, you can, one can be yours. You can just pick out what you like. Okay. All right, being a Baptist, everybody got your notes? Got your notes? If you don't, We've got a few notes outside. It's the same notes we had last week. We handed those out. We didn't get started on it. So um, we were, we've gotten now to the two ordinances of, bapti- of baptism and communion. We looked at baptism last few weeks. We'll look at communion tonight and next week. We should wrap that up. And then, and then, uh, then the next week is the 20th. We'll have our candlelight service. So we've looked at biblical authority and the leadership of Christ, the, Lord, the lordship of Christ. We looked at the autonomy of the local church, the priesthood of believers. And then the T in there is the two ordinances, baptism and communion. So the meaning of communion, this New Testament ordinance is referred to by various names. We, we basically hear what you're going to hear say is the Lord's Supper or, uh, or, or, or communion. That's what we'll call it. But it's called by other names, uh, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table the breaking of bread, the Eucharist, the, and, and communion. All of these are acceptable names for the spiritual, from a spiritual standpoint. Now, the majority of Baptists most often use the terms Lord's Supper and communion. That's what you're going to hear me say. That's, what I'm, that's how we're going to refer to it here. Yet, whatever we call it, we need to understand we need to understand it, whatever we're going to call it. We need to understand what is communion and what does it mean and what are we doing and, and, and what's going on there. So the key reference that we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. And I'll read those. For I received from the Lord, Paul writes, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night, which he, uh, the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now this passage presents the most comprehensive biblical explanation of communion in one place. There's other places we can pull things together. But this is, a, this is Paul right here, what a wonderful piece of scripture this is. 
as he explains to us what the Lord did, he explains to us what the Lord said, and he really we have an understanding of what communion is all about. It's also found in the, in the gospel narratives which present the Lord's Supper in the context of Jesus instituting it with his disciples as an ordinance of the church. And that's found, I think those, that's in your notes, those references, Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22. Those references, are those in your notes? Okay, I left those out. I try to leave the references. Uh, though, John, though John's gospel does not record Jesus' instructions related to the supper like the others do, he does record Jesus' extended teaching of, of his disciples in John 13 through 17 at the same point in the narrative where the synoptic gospels present the institution of the Lord's Supper. Additionally, even though John does not recite Jesus giving the bread and the cup and instituting the new covenant, the symbols and words used in the Lord's Supper are abundant in the Gospel of John. Now, the description of this, communion or the Lord's Supper is, I think here's your first blank, is a symbolic it is a symbolic meal using the common elements of bread and the fruit of the vine to memorialize to memorialize the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and thus remind believers of his sacrifice for our sins. Okay? Everybody got that? All right, so baptism signifies union with Christ, uh, which it happens one time, and that's why we baptize one time. It's a one-time thing when we come to faith in Christ. I've heard people say, the first time I got saved. Well, if the first time you got saved, that's the only time you get saved. If the first time you get saved, then you got saved another time. If you got saved here, then you didn't get saved back here. You don't get saved multiple times. We don't get saved and lose our salvation as some would teach. There is no losing your salvation. If you are born again, you're a child of God, you're in the family, it's a one-time thing. And so that's why when we do baptism, it's a one-time thing. If, if, it were, if it were in line the way communion, we could go, oh, well, we, we, every week we should just everybody should get baptized. Or once a quarter, everybody should get baptized. We're going to do this as a... But that's not what the Lord told us to do. Now, the Lord's Supper picture, pictures communion with Christ. Where baptism signifies union with Christ, the Lord's Supper pictures communion with Christ, which is continual, and thus the ordinance is frequent. Now, here's a quote for us. It came from, from Stuart McBurney on, uh, from the institute, uh, institution... Uh, I'm sorry, Instruction in the Baptist Faith, written in 1955. He says, Like baptism, the Lord's Supper is not regarded by Baptists as a sacrament. It does not save, it does not help to save, nor does it impart any of God's grace to the soul. It is a memorial supper, pure and simple. We are commanded to use it to remember Christ's death until he comes again. That's what communion is all about when we take the Lord's Supper. In short, Jesus instituted this ordinance on the night before he died with its purpose to be a memorial service for Christians in the local church by which they are to remember and reflect upon Christ's sacrificial death, his broken body, and shed blood. That is what this is about. It's a memorial this do in remembrance of me. We'll talk, we'll talk more about that. So what, let's start with this. What communion is not? It's not a sacrament. I already said that. But it's not a sacrament. Again, like baptism, we emphasize that communion is not a sacrament, conferring special grace on those who received it. 
And uh, so remember when we talked about those sacraments, there was sacra- it, was, it, was, it was special things they believed that with the sacraments, there was a special grace that came with that. That's not the case with, with communion. This is not a sacrament. Um, it's not transubstantiation. How many of you know that term? Most of you, most of you will know that term. How many of you know that? I think you know it and you just don't know you know it. All right, so I'll explain this. So it's not transubstantiation, and that is the belief of the Roman Catholic Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, and related traditions, which says that during the ceremony of the Mass or Holy Communion, the bread and wine are changed into the literal flesh and body of Christ, even though the elements appear to remain the same. So how many of you know now you've heard that? So you've heard that when... when, when mostly we would think about this with the Catholic Church and transubstantiation. And they would say, they would have their prayer. And so we went to a, we had a, the only time I've ever been exposed to this, you've been exposed to it growing up, right? So I was, the only time I was exposed to this, we had a neighbor whose husband died. They were Catholic. So we went to the, the service, you know, just to support her. And so they do all this stuff, but then they do, they do communion. They do, you know, um, what do they call it? Drawing a blank. The Eucharist. They do that. So they're, they're, and so what they believe is as they pray, as the priest is praying over it, it literally becomes the blood of Christ. It's not a representation. It's not a... Sub, it's, it's, they, they literally believe that the bread becomes the literal body of Christ. Now, I could believe that if the Lord said, and he cut off a piece of his arm, and he passed around and said, take a bite of this... This is my body, which is broken for you. Now eat this. Now, if they did that on that night, if the Lord did that, if we literally ate his body, that might make sense. But that's not what he did. And it's, it's very obvious in the wording. I mean, you really have to... It, it's a lot of fictional writing goes into coming up to this, okay? So they... Uh, that's the belief then, is that it becomes the literal body. And that's not truth, Okay. Then there's another word. Let me see if any of you have heard this one. Consubstantiation. How many of you have heard that term? Brent, you've heard that? This was new to me. This was a term I had not not heard before I was studying this. Consubstantiation. All right, if it's uh, transubstantiation, means it's like a, 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 we ought to know what trans is, right? A a change. So uh, that word today, we understand that. We never understood it before. Transubstantiation means it becomes something that it wasn't or isn't. Uh, consubstantiation, con typically means with, right? So consubstantiation is used to describe the Lutheran concept of the communion supper, which says in essence that in communion the body and blood of Christ and the bread and wine, listen, coexist in union with each other. I don't know how that's much difference from transubstantiation. I don't even know how you get that in mind, how they are to get... I don't, I don't even know how that is supposed to coexist because it's not like they believe... They don't say the bread literally becomes the body of Christ and, the, and the, the fruit of the vine becomes the blood, but they say they coexist together in that. So it sounds very similar as though they're trying to say the same thing there and, and yet... No. So, in other words, the blood and body of Christ are present alongside the substance of the bread and wine. It should be noted that some modern Lutheran theologians reject the use of this term, but, in, but it nonetheless is generally associated with Martin Luther and Lutheranism. 
In reality, neither of these doctrines have any basis in Scripture. There's nothing in Scripture that would justify these, this teaching. So thus, Baptists and other like-minded Christians reject both teachings uh, as unbiblical. Now, what communion is? How many blanks do you have there? Two blanks. Okay, I thought I want to make sure. Sometimes I move it around. So first blank is this. What communion is? It's memorial. First blank is a memorial. And that's a, verses 23 through 26, which we already read. The, the other part of that is command. It's a command, verses 24 and 25, because the Lord says, you know, do. Do, do this. There's a command that goes with this. So it's a memorial and it's a command. So Baptists would reject any teaching that tr uh, treats communion as anything other than a memorial supper. Some biblical scholars argue that the communion meal is a direct extension of the Old Testament Passover meal uh, with modifications instituted by Jesus, uh, the Passover lamb. Some would teach that. I don't believe that. Okay, Due to the number of factors cited that are beyond the scope of this study, other expositors of Scripture contend that the Lord's Supper was not just a modified Passover meal at all, but a completely new observance that Jesus gave to His church. As you read that, it's the only thing that makes any sense. It, it's the only thing that, that makes sense with the context of what He did, when He did it, how He did, what He said. It's the only thing is there's a new thing being done. Regardless of which of these views is correct, the, the fact remains that the character of the Lord's Supper is that of a memorial only, one that is to proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. That's the purpose, is to proclaim his death. And, uh, and, 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 and we remember the death, we remember his suffering, the body that was broken, the blood that was shed. So like baptism, communion is for those who have been saved. Uh, if someone has not been saved, they should not take part in communion. We'll get more into that next week as we talk about the elements and we'll talk about the difference in some terms of open, open communion, closed communion. There's even a term that some use called close communion. But we'll talk about those uh, in, in next week or, or beyond. All believers are invited by the Lord Jesus to come to his table. So truly, born-again believers are welcome to take part in communion. Now, different churches even view that differently. And again, we'll talk about that. But the Lord invited, this is something all believers should take part in. In reality, like baptism, Jesus does, does more than just invite us. He commands it. In the early church, whenever the saints met together, they regularly remembered the Lord in the body and the cup. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the, apostle, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, this is not just talking about gathering together and having a meal. It's not, you know, they got together and they, they went to church and they had, this isn't a Sunday morning description, okay? They, they came for the apostles' teaching and they fellowshiped afterwards and then they went to Cracker Barrel and then they had some prayer. That's not, that's not what this is. The breaking of bread here is the communion. It's the Lord's Supper, the table. Acts 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. wasn't that they once a week they just came together and had a communal meal. This was coming together. When they came together, they broke bread together in the communion. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 
So the New Testament believers were greatly delighted to remember the Lord in this way. Yet they also understood that observance was an activity in which Jesus commanded them to participate. They didn't feel like this was, you know, a, a, a voluntary type of thing where if I don't, if I want to do it or don't want to do it. I don't, again, this is like baptism to me. If you're really born again, why would you not want to be baptized? Why, what, would, what would be the hang-up with, with baptism? What would the hang-up be? And yet there are some who say that they're born again, but then they are totally resistant to, to being baptized. I'd have the same question for this. Why would anyone who's a, a, a really a born-again believer not want to take part in communion? His instructions were, do this in remembrance of me. So we are to remember him. It's, it's a memorial. It's a time to think and reflect. Uh, it's a very special time. I, I know this. There are some in this room who would love for us to do it more often. Amen? Amen. I, can name, I can name a few. I know who they would be. Um, and, and that's okay. That's great. There are some that would be, uh, you know, you may have grown up and you only did it on a special, you know, a special time. Now, we'll talk about this later, but the Scriptures don't define for us when we should or shouldn't or how often we should or any of that. It's not defined in Scripture. It says as often as you do this, here's what you're doing and why you do it. So as often as you do that. So if we decided we want to do communion every Sunday, we could do that. There's nothing wrong with that. If we decide we want to do it once a year, it's what we decide. Now, what I have tried to do is at least once a quarter that we would have communion. Uh, I, I hope, I think we're going to, Meet that. I think we'll have our fourth communion this year. I really want to try to do it more often, but it's it's one of those things. You know, I'm I'm planning as I'm planning services. I don't want to go long with a service. I don't want to end up long in our services a lot of times, and so I have to. I'm trying to be mindful. That's why I move baptisms to the start of the service instead of the end of the service, because I don't want you going out late and holding you here. Because here's what happens: we get through with 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 invitation. And, and then we run up and go to baptize. You're here another five, six, seven minutes. Would you do it? Sure you'd do it. But I moved it to the front because it doesn't take any more time out of the service to do that. Make sense? Okay, so, yes, ma'am. I have a question. Okay, so communion, this is a really silly question, but it's a really tough one. Um, is, there a, is there something wrong with doing, like, sharing with the bread and taking it in the water? I mean, there's different ways... There's different ways. Yeah, there's different ways. Is there anything wrong other than I don't want to? I don't want everybody's hand on the piece of bread I'm going to eat. Um, that would be one thing that would. And not everybody wants to dip the the bread in the in the wine. Did you grow up doing it that way? No, well, that's right. Well, where you've seen that somewhere else where they do that. I, I went. I was at some event and it was. Um, I don't remember what it was, but it was a Methodist group. And the wine they had was actually fermented wine, which I'm, I'm not for. Um, but they did that where they, they broke the big piece of bread, and then they actually are dipping it and stuff. And, you know, as they broke the bread off, each one's coming up and handling it. I'm not getting gross right now, but. <laughs> What's that? But it doesn't say. But it doesn't say that that wasn't a part of their practice. It wouldn't be. I don't know that there's anything wrong with it, though. I see what you're saying, Cliff. But it does. It doesn't. We couldn't. Here's what I couldn't say. When you say that, 
it, off the top, when I read that, I totally agree. But I can't dogmatically say that as they broke the bread, they didn't wait, and the Lord's, the way they ate bread or something was to dip in the, I don't know. I'm not doing it. That's not, <laughs> that's not, that's not. Now, I, I think I've seen people that made, um, made wafers and made, made the unleavened bread, baked it. Someone in the church would make it and then break it into bigger pieces. I think that would be cool because, be honest, the little the wafer is a little bit melodramatic maybe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could use something that's bigger. We could, we could do something like that. Uh, it, it, you know, it's not about, it's, and again, it's not about how much you have to eat here. It's the, the memory, right? It's the memorial of it. It's what, what that is. Um, that's a good question, though. And I agree, Cliff. I agree with, I agree with that. But I, I wouldn't die on that sword to say that. But I agree. If you read the way it's written, he gave the bread, then he gave the, the, the juice. Um, and I believe juice. And we'll talk about that, too. Uh, I was, something came to mind. Oh, these fleeting thoughts. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> If I, I'm telling you, man, if I don't write it down, an instant I think it because we were talking and I had a thought I wanted to share here, and I, I don't um, must not have been important. Fermented being alcoholic. Well, I'll look, wait till I I'm, wait till next time when we when I get to that. Let me teach. <laughs> let me teach that because there's there's some there's I'm going to talk about the elements. And, and I'll talk about why it's un, you know, because if you're going to say it's nothing like the Passover, then it wouldn't matter whether it's fermented, I mean, fermented, or whether it's leavened bread or unleavened bread. But it, you know, you go back to what were they doing? What were they doing right then? What would have then been the elements that they had there then? And um, I'll just say this: I don't believe it was fermented alcohol. I don't believe it was alcoholic, and but I don't want to. I want to wait and teach it later on when we get to that. Is that okay? Is that all right? And it's just not just because I think you shouldn't drink alcohol, though I do think you should not drink alcohol. <laughs> just so we're clear, okay? Um, there's a good reason, though. There is a good reason, man. You ever have that happen? I think it was a good thought. I think it was a good thought. Whatever it was, I think it was a good thought that I wanted to share. But um, you'll we'll remember on your way home. I will. <laughs> About in a, it's four seven forty. At seven forty six, it'll come to mind. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Good question. Any, let me just ask this. Any other questions on anything so far? Yes, sir. If, they're, if they have a profession, of, a strong profession of faith, then absolutely. The problem is a lot of times, and I try to be clear when we do communion so that 
parents understand, look, you, parents, you have to lead your children in this. And if your children haven't made a decision for Christ, a public profession, they don't need to, this isn't just a fun thing to do. Um, and well, I'm hungry. Well, this isn't a meal. Oh, I know what I was going to share. It came back. <laughs> and I don't know how great it is, but I, I, I've, I've thought a lot about this. And I'm not trying to be... I'm, understand, when I, say, when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, I'm not trying to say that everybody's been wrong all through these years about communion and we should do this differently. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there's something that I have done at times and I, I really would like to do it more. I would love to be more committed in doing this because I think it's, what's the purpose of remembering the body and the blood? Remember, what's that? Right, what he's done. The price he paid for us, right? When, when, when we remember that, does it tend to draw you closer to the Lord? Okay, so we do that to remember the sacrifice, the price, everything that he did for us. We, we, that's what we're doing. We do it to glorify him. We do it to remember him until he comes back to remember what he did for us. I, I think that's valuable. I think it's super valuable because so many times young Christians, you know, like I was talking Sunday, our love for God isn't, it isn't proportional to our forgiveness because we were all going to hell. Hell. We were all going to hell. We're all going to hell. Okay? We're all going to hell. We're all saved. We're all, we're all just as equally zeros. All right? So it's not the... the, the different levels of that. So it's not like you go, well, I love Jesus more because he forgave me more. No. If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all. You're, you're, you're a sinner and your sin was going to send you to hell. He died in your place. If you've repented and trusted in Christ by faith, he has forgiven you. His blood has washed you of your, of your sin. And, but here's what happens. Miss Susan, you're closer to the Lord now. You love him more now than you did a few years ago. I, th I think I love the Lord now more than I did a year ago and two years ago and five years ago and 20 years ago and 40 years ago. I love him more now. Why? Because I better understand, I, I have a better understanding of forgiveness. It's not there's a different levels of forgiveness, but there's different levels of understanding of forgiveness. And the more we can help someone to think about what Jesus did for them, for their salvation, it helps us to grow. The more we grasp that, because I don't think we grasp that immediately. But I go back to this. What were they doing that night? They were having a meal, right? They had a meal. And I thought, what if, what if we just stopped for a moment? We stopped to pray. We pray for our meal. But what if when we had a meal, if we stopped and had a little communion in our own heart before that meal? What if before we ate, we thought about the Lord's body and the blood that was shed for us? Now, again, I'm not trying to say some radical thing. But anything that's going to point us more to Christ and make us think more about Christ can't be, can't be a bad thing, right? So it, it's not that you would actually, I don't know that you would really say you're having communion, but you're certainly... What would be wrong with having a little memorial service as we're the service of remembering the body? I'm about to eat. Man, I'm about to have some bread. We almost always have some bread. So we break that bread. This, the, Lord, this, the Lord's body was broken for me. 
And I eat and I think about that. And I, and I take a drink and that, that, his blood was shed for me. If I did that and then I prayed for the meal, I think it might have a different significance for us. Amen? Just a thought. Just a thought. I know that's out there a little bit, but something that I thought about a long time ago. thought, man, that's... And, I, and, I've, and I've actually practiced that some, and it really, I think, does have a, a good effect. All right, we'll stop there. Any other questions? Don't relate to alcohol? I, I, I don't, not, not, not an issue at all. I, it, 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 again, it goes back to does it have to be served the way we do it? We do it because it's the model of, serve, of serving. You could serve your family at home. Um, G, Gina's cousin, uh, Jeff, and, and her husband, pastors up in Georgia, Jeff Williams, many of you may remember him. He preached my installation service. Little dynamite Jeff, little, little guy, just dynamite guy. Big church they have. So for them to do communion, I mean, they were in hundreds in the sanctuary. So for them to do communion and to serve it the way we serve, you know, if, if you've noticed what we do now with the little cup, we put the wafer in the bottom of a cup, and then we put the juice in the top of the cup. Well, we, we try. We, that's on you. It's on you in two ways. It's, it's on you that you spilled it, but then it's on you when you spilled it. So... No, it's, uh, we try not to overfill them, but the, we, you know, a lot of times, didn't they serve the bread, and then they serve the cup? We've combined that to try to save some time. We're not trying to, it's not like we go, oh, we just got to get through this. But it's, it's difficult to serve that. It takes some time to do that. So we figured, look, if it's, we got the cups, we can put the wafer right in the cup, and then, and then put another cup in with the juice in it. So when you come around, you have both elements there. The idea came when we, we did the resurrection service out here, and we bought the little, the little coffee creamer communion things where you peel off the top, and there's the wafer, and you peel again, and there's the juice. So we come up with that idea. But it allows us to serve everybody and then, and then go through the, 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 the elements. There it went. What was I talking about? <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. I'm telling you, it's it's terrible. It's getting old. It's terrible. So in Southside, with all those people, what they would do is he set up he set up stations, and so the family would go together over to the station when they were doing this, and and take part in communion there together as a family. And I thought that was. No, it was neat. What's that? Gina's cousin's husband's church. Jeff Jeff Williams. <laughs> a friend of mine. <laughs> Little Jeff. Whoa. <laughs> Wake up back there, Ryan. He went to sleep and pushed everything up. <laughs> oh, okay. We see now. We see now. She's going to need more training. Need to get her to watch the video first. All right, but yeah, wow, thought the trump was blowing. Mm. All right, nothing else? All right, well, well, I don't know if we'll finish next week, but we'll continue in that next week. A um, lot of, it's, it's good to understand, uh, that's why we're doing this on, on why, you know, the Baptist doctrines, the distinctives that make us Baptists. Why are we Baptists? What do we believe? I think it's so important to understand these things 
not just take part in them, and not just have a peripheral understanding, but really have an understanding of what this means, what it, why do we do it, why do we not do it, why, does it, why is it called this? Here's, here's what I'm going to give you to think about. The word Eucharist, how many of you have a negative connotation of that word? Okay, I'm going to help you understand. Um, next week, I hope you're going to understand why we as Baptists shouldn't be scared of that word. We shouldn't be scared of... Now, what the Catholics do with it, absolutely. But they've, again, it's a perversion of Scripture and truth and all that. And I'll talk about why that's, we shouldn't be scared of that, using that term. Okay? It's not what we do. We're not going to do the Eucharist. We're not going to do that. But you'll understand what the word means. All right. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for each one. I pray that God you'll bless as we dismiss. Watch over and keep everyone safe. Get us home safe. And again, Lord, help us to be a blessing to someone else. God, you're so good to us. You have blessed us in so many ways. Help us to bless someone. Maybe tomorrow, Lord. Maybe, maybe uh, as we leave home, maybe our hearts and our minds be set on, Lord, bring somebody into my path today that I can be a blessing to, that I can share uh, the good news of your son Jesus with. And we'll thank you for the opportunities you give us. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night and great rest of the week.